situated here. I'm getting used to this. Okay. Um, did you happen to mention Homer's coat? Okay. Um, Homer's coat was mistakenly taken last week. And so uh, if you have a coat that doesn't fit, maybe it's not because you gained or lost weight. It might be Homer's. So uh, think about that. And uh, if you might happen to have his coat, uh, see him after the service. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 14 this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about what we may want. What we may want. That uh, question can be simple. It can be complex. It can be as simple as, what do you want for your birthday? I always dread that question. I never know what I want. Uh, I don't need much. Uh, I don't know what to, to say. What do you want? What do you want for your birthday? What do you want for Christmas? It can be as complex as, what do you want out of life? What's really going to make you happy? What's going to make you content? What is God's purpose for you being here? It can be as simple as, what do you want out of a church service? What do you expect God to do this morning in your life? What anticipation did you have when you entered we leave with a sense of fulfillment, satisfaction, contentment, being ministered to, having met with God. What do you want out of your relationship with God? Are you content in your relationship with God? Or are you dissatisfied? This morning, we are going to look at a passage of Scripture that helps us Understand what Philip wanted most from Jesus. Because we're going to look at a request that Philip gives to Jesus. And then simply Jesus' response. So Philip's request. What he wanted from Jesus. Notice John 14.8. Philip said to him, that's Jesus. Lord, Show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Philip wanted Jesus to show him the Father. The word to show means to exhibit or put on display. He wanted to see the Father with his own eyes. The word show is used in a sense in which we might talk about going to a car show. A place where the new cars are revealed and put on display. And you can look at them. And sometimes open and close and the doors and maybe even sit on the seats. And get a better sense of what these new models are all about. He wanted to see the Father. He says that in seeing the Father, he would be content. 
Notice verse 8. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Not just himself, but the other disciples. What did they really want out of their relationship with Jesus? What were they anticipating? Jesus is talking about his departure. And they say to Jesus, show us the Father. That's all we want. That's all we desire. Just let us see the Father. What prompted that request in the heart and mind of Philip? It doesn't just come out of thin air. It isn't just some strange request that he may offer, but it comes in response to Jesus' teaching. Jesus had just taught that he was going to his father's house. Verse 2. In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And further, Jesus had just taught that he was coming back for the disciples to take them there. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And still further, Jesus had taught that he was the way to the Father. Verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is talking about taking the disciples to be with the Father. To live with the Father. To dwell with the Father. Jesus taught that they would know and see the Father. Verse 7. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. You know the Father. You've seen the Father. It is in response to Jesus' teaching about the Father, of going to be with the Father, of living with the Father, of experiencing the Father, and of knowing the Father, that Philip says, show us the Father. That's enough. That's all we want. Show us the Father. Philip's response comes out of a great faith in Jesus. Because Philip believes that Jesus can do this. Jesus can show him the Father. That's why Philip has been on board with Jesus these three years. Initially, when Jesus speaks to Philip... Philip says, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So the request of Philip is a logical one. So with that in mind, let's look at Jesus' response. Jesus' response, verse 9. Jesus said to him, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? Hasn't your understanding of who I am increased over time? 
our understanding of who Jesus is should increase over time. We should be getting to know him better. So Jesus says that he is revealing God the Father to the disciples through his words and works. Notice verse 14. Do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative. But the Father abiding in me does his works. Now there is, of course, in this verse, a wonderful mystery of the Trinity. Of how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. An incredible, important theological truth. The triune God. But this morning, I want to focus on a much more practical level. Remember, this response comes as a result of the question or the petition that Philip offers. Show us the Father. Show us the Father. Jesus said that he speaks the message of the Father. Verse 14. The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own initiative. I'm speaking what the Father gave me to speak. Not only is Jesus speaking on behalf of the Father, but the Father acts through Jesus. Verse 14. The words that I say to you, I do not speak in my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Jesus conducts himself in keeping with the desires and actions of the Father. Verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Otherwise, believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus is teaching that he reveals the Father to Philip. Application. Have you ever longed to see God? Have you ever thought about how wonderful it would be to have a revelation? Skies opened. And be able to see God? I know I have. Many times. How wonderful it would be. Just a glimpse. Isaiah 6. See the throne of God. High and lifted up. Train flowing down through the temple. How wonderful that would be. Have you ever wondered what God is like? I have. Wonder what God is like. Wonder what God thinks. All too often, there is a dichotomy that's drawn in the Trinity. So that in many people's minds, God the Father and God the Son are so different. Jesus is viewed as this pacifist. Loving and kind and gracious individual. 
that gives his life a ransom for many. The father is viewed as an ogre, an anger, wrathful God that is displeased and has to be propitiated, has to be satisfied. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For my words and my actions are the words and the actions of the Father. No dichotomy. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The Father's initiative in sending his Son to do this great work of redemption. I think we ought to relate to Philip very well. I think we ought to be able to understand the heart and mind of Philip. These kind of texts are easy to dismiss. I remember one time I spoke at annual conference. And in that message, I alluded to the command that we are to love God with all our hearts and all our soul and all our mind. And I said, I don't do that. I don't love God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. And I went on and gave the message. I had a pastor come up to me afterwards, and he rebuked me. He said, you should never admit in public that you don't love God with all your heart. You're a pastor. That's what God requires of you. I said, I know. I said, it's the first and great commandment. I said, I don't, I don't think you understood what I was saying. And I said, brother, with all due respect, I don't think you love God with all your heart either. Because we're sinful people. All of us that love God richer, deeper, more fully. It's easy to look at a text like this and shake your head and say, Philip's been with Jesus for three years. He should know better. Why is he talking like this? Why does he say that one thing that I really desire is that he would show me the Father? Because that is the true longing of every child of God. We want to know we want to experience. We want to see God in a way that we don't know and see Him now. More real to us. More tangible to us. A sense of His presence with us. I think you can relate. There are times in which God's word and his promises are so precious. He seems so close. And then there are times in which God becomes almost like a concept to me. An idea. 
an abstract. A truth that I know. A doctrine that I believe. But cold and personal and aloof. Jesus is talking about taking Philip to be with the Father. Philip says, show me the Father. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Lest we're too hard on Philip. And lest we chide ourselves too much. Do we really understand that when we've seen Jesus, we've seen the Father? Is that my concept of who Jesus is? Is that my concept of what Jesus has done? Do I understand that the way to really know the Father is by knowing Jesus? That the words that Jesus says are the words that the Father speaks. That the actions that Jesus does are the works that the Father does through Jesus. Do I see Jesus as a way of seeing the Father? If I do, then I meditate on the Gospels in a far different way. We look at Jesus in a new light, or at least in a brighter light, than what we've ever looked at him before. Now, moving on in this great mystery. Jesus teaches us that he reveals the Father to us so that we can reveal Jesus to the world. Notice. We are to reveal Jesus to the world as he reveals the Father to us. Verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also. We'll do the same kinds of works that Jesus does if we believe in him. What are those works? Jesus reveals the Father to us. And we are to reveal Jesus to the world. We do this by speaking his works his words, and having him perform his actions through us. After all, the word Christian simply means little Christ. The incredible statement comes then in verse 12. We will do greater works than Jesus does. Look at verse 12. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do. What are these greater works? How in the world can it be said of us that we do greater works than Jesus does? For it says, he who believes in Jesus will do greater works. Well, greater works cannot mean that which is greater in kind. That which is more spectacular or supernatural than what Jesus did. We cannot conceive of anything greater or more spectacular than turning water into wine or healing the blind or feeding 5,000 people. And certainly, 
Certainly. There is nothing, nothing greater than raising Lazarus from the dead. How can you top that? How can you beat that? How can you do something more spectacular or supernatural than raise the dead? It's not speaking about greater in kind. Remember, the disciples have already been given power to cast out demons and heal the sick and do miracles. It's significant that the text says, greater works you do, not greater signs shall you perform. Greater works shall you do. Look at me, with me at John chapter 5 as we look at the greater works in Jesus' own ministry. John chapter 5. John chapter 5, reading in verse 20. John 5.20, For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all things that Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him, that you may marvel. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also gives life to whom He wishes. The greater works are the giving of eternal life. Jesus says, you think it's something that I've been able to perform these miracles? Let me tell you the greatest miracle of all. The impartation of eternal life. That's the greatest miracle. The works that we do are not greater in kind, but are greater in extent and in effect. More people are going to be reached through the followers of Jesus than Jesus himself ever reached. More people will come to faith as a result of the followers of Jesus than ever placed faith in Jesus in his lifetime. More understanding a spiritual truth is going to be imparted by his followers that was ever imparted by Jesus himself in his lifetime. Those are remarkable thoughts. The reason we're going to be able to do greater works is because the redemptive work of Christ has been completed. Look at verse 14, chapter 14, 12. 14.12 Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go to the Father. Jesus will have accomplished the redemptive work through his death and resurrection. Because I die and rise again, because I go to the Father, you will do greater works. Notice, notice the methodology. How it is that we're able to do greater works. Verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. We will do greater works 
through Jesus' authority or name. Now, it's important that we realize in this verse that when it's speaking about Jesus' name, it's not speaking about his name in a magical formula. That if you say Jesus, then anything that follows that is going to come to pass. As though Jesus is a magical, mystical name like the magicians Abracadabra or Hocus Pocus. Jesus. Boom. Whatever you want comes to pass. But rather, Jesus, his name speaks to his authority. His authority. Jesus said, All authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because of my authority, baptize in my name. Think with me about the old gangster movies. Right? You can picture Chicago. You can picture those old uh, black cars that are streaming through the streets and the gangsters hanging out the windows with their Tommy guns and they're shooting at the coppers that are following behind and they're screeching through the streets of Chicago and all of a sudden they pull up in front of this old brown house and the gangsters get out of the car and they run into the house and up four flights of stairs and the coppers are close behind. And... These gangsters barricade themselves in the room and the copper knocks on the door. And he says, open up in the name of the law. Open up in the name of the law. He's saying, in the authority of the law. In the authority that the law gives. I come representing the law. Open up. Open up. It is in that sense that Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, whatever you ask in my authority, whatever you ask under my power, whatever you ask under my jurisdiction, we do greater works because Jesus has ordained that we bring people to him resulting in eternal life. Turn with me to John chapter 15. As we see this thought unfolded more. And these thoughts are going to be carried out through John 14 to 18. We're just going to keep unpacking these thoughts in the days and weeks that lie ahead. But notice John 15, 16. You did not choose me. I chose you. And appointed you. I've given you a responsibility. That you should go and bear fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That's what you're about. You're to go. You're to bear fruit. You're to reproduce yourselves. You're to make disciples. You're to make followers. And that your fruit would remain. These 
converts would continue to walk in their faith and their commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. That whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Whatever you ask in my authority, whatever you ask in light of what I've given you to do, that's what I've given you to do. Bear fruit. Make disciples. Bring people to me. You're going to do greater works than I have done. More people have come to Christ through his disciples, his followers, than ever came to Christ in his lifetime. Because he ordained it to be so. That we would go and we would bear fruit and the fruit would remain. We do greater works because he goes to the Father. We do greater works because Jesus imparts to us the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 26 of chapter 14, 14, 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance what I said to you. He will give us the Holy Spirit. Now turn with me to Acts 1, verse 8. Theme verse of Acts. Acts 1, 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Because I go to the Father, who says you're going to do greater works. Because He's going to give the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses. You are going to speak my words Perform my acts. And you will do greater things than I've ever done. Because you're not only going to go to Judea and Samaria, but the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus actually traveled very little in his lifetime. Relatively confined. The word hadn't spread much. In the time of Jesus. But at at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit is given, and people here from all over the earth, the Word of God starts to go forth. 5,000 people are added to the church in one day. And the church has been mushrooming ever since. Because the Word of God is being taken Throughout the entire face of this earth. Because God has appointed it to be so. God has ordained it to be so. We take the message of salvation to others. Back to verse 13 of John chapter 14. And whatever you ask in my name, 
That will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you ask anything in my authority. Not if you put Jesus on the end of any request. But anything that I have charged you to do, you can do. With the intent that it brings honor and glory to God the Father. Notice verse 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Not that you will do it. I will do it. And he will do it through us. So what are the concluding thoughts this morning? Well, the first is that Jesus really reveals to us God the Father. And rather than sit and long for the opening of the skies and a glimpse of the Father, we should delve into the scriptures and examine the life of Jesus. See what he says. Learn how he acts. And realize that everything he says and done is perfectly in keeping with whom God the Father is. And he's showing us the Father. And then, most remarkably, to know why he shows us the Father. So that we can show Jesus to the world. Now, this is going to get unpacked. Really comes home in John chapter 17. Of our showing love to one another, etc., etc., etc. But this morning, just simple thought. How are people going to know who Jesus is? It's through us. We take his words. And we're to live our lives in conformity with the actions of Jesus. Our responses. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. As we evidence that fruit in our lives, we let people begin to understand who Jesus is. We introduce people to Jesus, the Savior of the world. We talk about Jesus. And as people come to know Jesus, they come to know God. But we are to reveal Jesus to others. And we can reveal Jesus to more people, collectively, than Jesus revealed himself as an individual. All of this is to be accomplished in two ways. First, the emphasis is on prayer. On prayer. Introducing people to Jesus isn't just an intellectual pursuit. It isn't just the sharing of facts, of doctrines, of verses. It's bring people to faith in Jesus Christ. And we can't produce faith in people 
Only God can do that. Jesus said, I will do it. We can't. And the beginning of wisdom is to understand we can't. Because then it will drive us to prayer. Asking God to bring people to himself. As we think about our missionaries. Praying for the effectiveness of the word of God that people will believe. Asking for God to work in us. That as we share our faith, people will believe. And secondly, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Realizing that it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that we become the witnesses in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. So often we look to ourselves, we try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. It's all about dependence. It's all about trusting in Jesus, his enablement, his fulfillment, the accomplishing of his works. We're able to do greater works than Jesus because he imparts to us the Holy Spirit that brings that success to ministry. So in conclusion, you want to see God? Look at Jesus. Our world? If you want to see Jesus, look to us. Wow. Wow. But because Jesus has gone to the Father, because Jesus died and rose again, we will do greater works than Jesus himself did as we trust in him. May God richly use us to the salvation of souls, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your great grace and goodness to us. Lord, in those times that we long to know you, may we seek to know Jesus better. His words, his teachings. Give us faith in him. Give us faith in his death and resurrection. His intercessory work as he now is even at the right hand of God the Father. As we pray, may we expect him to work. May we expect him to, to bless our endeavors. May we expect that people will come to faith and trust in Jesus. We thank you for the faithfulness and truth of your word. And we marvel how that down through the centuries, through your grace and the empowerment of your spirit, there are peoples scattered throughout the face of this earth who trust and worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, O oh God, to be bearers of your word and your actions. Help us to be fruit-bearing people in our own lives, to your honor and glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.